sin deserved. It was for my sin that Jesus died. And Jesus died upon a cross to purchase forgiveness to all who by faith would trust in him. He was raised from the dead three days later so that we might live in the newness of life, so that we might taste the blessing of life each day. God went further and he poured his Holy Spirit within those who belong to him so that we might live in immediate intimacy with God. Yes, we can be blessed, but it begins with a relationship with God through faith in Christ. And some in the room today and online, perhaps you, you are not in a relationship with God. Now, perhaps somewhere along the way you decided that you were going to find a blessed life all on your own. Maybe you never realized that what the Bible talks about is not pursuing a religious uh, ritual or a journey of morality, but what the Bible talks about is finding a relationship with God through faith in Christ. What that means is that you let go of all your efforts to be good enough for God because you'll never get there. And you look to Jesus as your only hope for life and satisfaction and security and purpose and identity. It means that Jesus brings you into the family of God because he died for your sin to pay the punishment, to forgive your sin. And to give you a new life through faith in him. So perhaps today the very first thing that needs to happen for you is you need to come into a relationship with God by acknowledging, God, I am a sinner and my sin has separated me from you. By looking to Jesus, Jesus, you are my only hope. Your death on a cross was for my sin to purchase my forgiveness. Your resurrection from the dead gives me a chance at a new and blessed life. Jesus, I look to you. You are my only hope. And then saying, oh God, I confess that I'm a sinner and I pray that you'd forgive my sin. I turn from my sin. I turn from all the efforts that I put into trying to experience a full and meaningful life of my own. And today, I ask you to save me. And the Bible says that when we call upon God in faith, in Jesus that he rescues us and he gives us a new life. He forgives our sin. He, he shatters the chain of our pain and he breaks the bar in the cell of our shame. And he forgives our sin and he gives us a new life. So today, maybe that is exactly what needs to happen for you. And it begins right now. Uh, really, that's what Jesus is doing. He's talking to his followers. He's talking to those who are uh, committed in relationship with God through faith in him. Uh, in Matthew 5, 1, he says, hey, li- the Bible says that Jesus gathered with those who were following him, and he began to teach them. So when Jesus teaches us today from the Sermon on the Mount, specifically in the Beatitudes, he's teaching us as followers. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus... Again, I'm not talking about being a Baptist or a Catholic or an Episcopalian or a Lutheran or a non-denominational person. I'm talking about having a relationship with God through faith in Christ where a transformation wrought in your soul, you're no longer dead, but now you're alive because of Jesus. If that's who you are, then here are some action steps that Jesus gives us to experience the blessing of life each day. And by the way, can I just also say that one of the reasons why followers of Jesus who have been brought into God's family do not experience a blessed life is because they're not following these steps that Jesus gives. You'll see that more clearly in a moment. 
So the very first action step that Jesus gives us is we must pursue God's will. We pursue God's will. That's what he's talking about in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Look at Matthew 5, 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, what is hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Well, let me begin by asking you, what are you hungry for? What is it that you're hungry for? If you look at any of my social media platforms, you go to Eric Thomas and Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, you will see what I'm hungry for. Do you know what I'm hungry for? What is it that, that I hunger and thirst after? What? Give me, give me. Ice cream, chocolate, peanut butter. Yeah, coffee. Yeah, we'll get to coffee in a minute. But, but, but it, it, that, that's what I hunger for. I, you see the bowls of ice cream, and, and people really get upset with me on, on social media. They say, I can't believe you put that on there. I gained 1,000 pounds just looking at it. You know, they, they talk like that. I, I, there's one person that really does get upset with me. I mean, really, literally upset. And almost every time I post a bowl of ice cream with chocolate and peanut butter and all that, you know, get an instant message or a direct message, whatever those things are. I can't believe you're doing this. And, and people ask, how, how do you eat like that and stay so fit? <laughs> it's a good question. Let me give you the secret. Are you ready? I eat one meal a day. It is ice cream, which candy bars, and chocolate. I don't eat anything else. So if you want to eat that ice cream with chocolate and candy and all that kind of stuff, and you want to remain fit, make that your one meal every day. And plus, you have to exercise. You, you have to exercise. You have to burn a lot of calories in order to make up for that one bowl. So I, I, and people have asked, well, I want to see the empty bowl. Oh, I'll, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's empty. I promise you. In fact, it is clean. Uh, because there are times when, uh, when you have that ice cream and that chocolate and that peanut butter and, and, and all of that mixed together, there are times at the bottom of that bowl where there'll be chocolate and peanut butter that a spoon just will not get, and you have to get old school on it, put it up to your face and just lick it dry. <laughs> we all hunger for something, but Jesus isn't talking about ice cream and peanut butter. He's talking about the hunger of the soul. He's talking about thirsting of the soul. He's saying if you want to experience the blessed life, if you want to experience a taste of heaven, you need to hunger for righteousness. You need to, you need to wake up in the morning and say, here's my pursuit, what God wants. That's righteousness. Righteousness is what God wants. If we're going to experience a blessed life as followers of Jesus, then the path that we walk each day must be the path that God marks for us. We find out what God wants through his word. His spirit uh, speaks to us and shows us how he wants us to live, how he wants to, us to speak and conduct ourselves. But the question is, are you waking up in the morning saying, God, I want to do what you want me to do, and I don't want to do anything different. God, give me the courage Give me the faith to walk the path of your will. That's hungering and thirsting after righteousness. So what's the blessing? If we pursue God's will, if, if we wake up in the morning and we open God's word and we say, this is what God's word says, so I'm going to do it. 
And I'm not going to get off track. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to wake up in the morning and throughout the day, God, what do you want me to do? And I'll do it. When we pursue God's will in that way, the blessing is satisfaction. Satisfaction for your soul. See, uh, when Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, that verb fulfilled means I'm going to eat and eat until I can't eat no more. I'm going to eat my fill and there's nothing, there's no more room for any other sustenance. When we pursue God's will in that way, we will be satisfied in the depths of our soul. We won't have any room for anything else that would distract us from God's will because we're full up with the righteousness of God. We're pursuing what God wants, and we are satisfied. We're content. In the midst of a pandemic, when everything else that used to feed our hunger has been taken away, what is it that feeds us now? It must be. Every day, all the day, the will of God. You want to walk in a blessed life, even in a pandemic, even in confusion? Then pursue God's will and you will be satisfied. The second action step that Jesus gives us is found in verse 7. It's to show mercy to others. So in verse 6, Jesus said, blessed Uh, uh, are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What is this picture of being merciful? What does it mean? Well, this side of the cross and the empty tomb, it means that those of us who have tasted the mercy of God Those of us who have been forgiven our sin through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on a cross, those of us who have um, been purchased off the chopping block of our own sin, stuck in our guilt and even um, overwhelmed by the condemnation of our sin, those of us who have been shown the mercy of God must be merciful to others. See, here's the good news for us. The good news for us is that we didn't deserve to be forgiven, but God forgave us through Christ anyway. The the truth is we were dead in our sin and our trespass, but because of God's great mercy and because of the love with which he loved us, he brought us into his family and he gave us life instead of death. He gave us hope instead of despair. He gave us joy instead of mourning. He he gave us a new way of living, a way of living in the blessed of life. He gave us a new identity and a new calling. We're no longer dead, we're alive. And it's not because you or I have earned it. It's not because we did enough good stuff to make up for the bad stuff. It's not because we come to church uh, or watch church online. It's not because we're living a good, moral, clean life. None of those things make us right with a holy God. None of them. Please hear me. None of those things make us right with a holy God. The reason we're right with a holy God is because Jesus himself built a bridge between sinners and God, and God's mercy drew us across that bridge and brought us into his family. It is all God's mercy, not your effort, that makes you part of God's family. So as those who have received mercy, 
the calling of Scripture is to be merciful. To be merciful to those who deserve it and those who don't. Because that is what Jesus has done for us. Please hear what Jesus said in John 13. He said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, you also love one another. Do you realize to love others the way Jesus has loved us is to show mercy, compassion, empathy, sympathy? Not because people deserve it, but because that's what God has done for us. If we're going to experience a blessed life, we must show mercy to others. Are you being merciful? Ephesians 4 says, be kind and tenderhearted to one another, forgiving one another just as God in Christ also forgave you and live a life of love as dearly loved children, just as God also loved us and gave himself for us, uh, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a sweet-smelling sacrifice and offering to God. Are you loving others? Are you showing mercy to others? Not because they deserve it, but because you've received mercy. So what's the blessing when we show mercy to others? What's the blessing for ourselves? We experience security. You might say, well, how does that work? Well, look at what Jesus said. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, what that means is we step into the flow of God's rescuing love, and we live in the flow of that rescuing love. And in covenant relationship with God, we, we live secure because we know that and are convinced that, that there is nothing, no height, nor depth, no, no principality, no power, no, no, no created thing or invisible thing or dominion. Uh, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. There is nothing that can shatter the bond that we have in embrace of God's great love. We belong to him. That's what his mercy teaches us. And when we show mercy to others, we awaken ourselves again. Hey, listen, I'm not showing mercy to somebody because they deserve it. I'm, I'm showing mercy to somebody because God has shown me mercy. And by the way, because I am a recipient of God's mercy, I am secure in this life. Even when the pandemic has changed everything for me, I know that God loves me. And he is for me and he is with me he is merciful to me one of the reasons so many of us live in such fear is because we lack mercy for others that's the correlation in verse 7 so two action steps how do we live the blessed life well we pursue God's will and we find satisfaction for our soul we show mercy to others and we find uh, security in our everyday life. The third uh, action step is to have an undiluted devotion to God. How many of y'all drink coffee? Go ahead, show me hands. Online, show hands. You drink coffee? How do you drink your coffee? You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in drinking undiluted coffee. I don't like sugar and I don't like cream in my coffee. I definitely don't like frou-frou flavors in my coffee. When I go to the coffee shop, I go and I order 
uh, the small, in the smallest glass they can put it, I order four shots of espresso, and that's the way I like to drink it, undiluted. If my family goes to the coffee shop and they bring home this carrier of coffee and I pick up the wrong coffee cup and I drink it, I immediately know it's not mine. Because everybody else is drinking diluted coffee. They've got cream in it, and they've got sugar in it. They've got, uh, they've got uh, 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 macchiato or caramel or hazelnut. They've got all kinds of crazy in there. And, and that's just not the way I... And I will drink that diluted coffee, and I'll set it aside and say, that's just not for me. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure in heart. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about having a single-minded devotion to God, undiluted. Undiluted devotion to God. What dilutes your devotion to God? What is it that diminishes your devotion to God because it steals affection from your heart for something else? What dilutes your devotion to God? When I was a pastor here at the very beginning of my pastorate, and I've been here 17 years, and it's been wonderful 17 years, but at the very beginning, 2004 or five, something like that, uh, I walked into here, and we were worshiping the Lord, and, and a gentleman uh, called me over uh, in, in, in that worship gathering, and, and I went over, and, and he said, where's the American flag? And this is going to ruffle some feathers, and so I, I just want you to show mercy. He said, where's the American flag? Now, there's nothing wrong with having the American flag on the platform, nothing wrong whatsoever. There's nothing wrong with not having it on the platform as well. But he said, Where, where's the American flag? And I said, well, I, and honestly, I didn't know. I, I, well, sir, I, I don't know. And I called him by his name. I knew him. And I said, I, I really don't know. And he looked at me and he pointed his finger at me. And he said, I can't worship if the American flag is not up there. There's nothing wrong with the American flag, but there's something wrong with that attitude. See, that's diluted devotion to God. There's nothing wrong with it unless it takes away our affection and our worship of God. What is it that dilutes your devotion to God? Uh, Jesus was saying, hey, if you want to walk a blessed life, then have undiluted devotion to God. Don't, don't allow anything to strip away your uh, full-throated praise to God. Don't let anything uh, uh, diminish your wholehearted devotion to Him. Don't let it be sin or a good thing that, that becomes an idol to your heart. Do not have a diluted devotion to God. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What does that mean? Well, they shall see God means that we begin to understand God for who he is and who we are in relationship to him. 
we begin to see that, that God is great and greatly to be praised. And, and he will stomach no other gods in our heart. We begin to understand that God is holy and majestic and powerful and loving and merciful and gracious. When we have undiluted devotion to God, we begin to see God for who He is, and it gives us a greater sense of our own purpose. See, once you see God for who He is, you can't help but say, God, here am I, send me. When you see God for who He is, you can't help but say, God, I am yours, use me as you will. When we set our gaze upon God, we find purpose for living as he shows us himself. He convicts us of our sinfulness, of our, uh, of our dilutions, and he propels us with purpose for his glory. See, when we see God for who he is, we can't help but want to honor him or hide from him. There's no in-between. If we're going to walk a blessed life and experience purpose in our everyday life, we must have undiluted devotion to God. And finally, we must share the path of peace with others. Again, just Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. He said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons, and in context, daughters. They shall be called sons and daughters of God. Now, what is a peacemaker? What is it talking about? You don't have to look any further than Jesus himself. You see, Jesus was the peacemaker. When I was a kid, I have three brothers, and there were times when uh, the three brothers would uh, get in a, or uh, the three brothers would get in a fight, and I would be the peacemaker. Some would say that I was the arsonist, and then became the fire person, fireman. Some of y'all will get that later. Um, No, whenever two brothers were fighting, the third or the fourth would come in and step between those two fighting brothers to keep the peace. You see this on the baseball field or the football field. You don't see it on the hockey rink, but but, uh, you, you, you see two opposing teammates clashing, and then after the play is done or in, in between, they start fighting. Somebody said something ugly to the other, and they start fighting, and good teammates will come, and they'll stand between the two warring individuals because they don't want any more penalties or anything like that. So they, they, they stand between. They want to make peace. Jesus came to make peace between sinners like you and me and God himself. You see, in our sin, when we were far from him, we were making war against God. The Bible's clear on that. Because we are sinners, we're literally making war against God. And Jesus came on a rescue mission to stand between us and a holy God to make peace, to give us the pathway to peace with God. That's what Jesus has done, and now he's calling us to do the same. We are looking at our neighbors and our friends and our family members, our co-workers, our classmates. 
We see people who are far from God, and if we're going to live a hashtag blessed life, we are going to step in between that person who is far from God and a holy God, and we're going to give them the terms of peace. It's found in relationship with God. I I do think that one of the missing ingredients to a blessed life for me and for all of us as followers of Christ is we've forgotten what peacemaking is all about. See, peacemaking isn't about just the absence of conflict. Peacemaking is about helping someone who is far from God find their home in the embrace of God's love. So the question is, are you a peacemaker? Are you sharing the path of peace with others? These are the action steps, blessed behaviors that Jesus gives us to have a taste of heaven here on earth, even in the face of a pandemic or problems or difficulties. Any season, we can be blessed. When we pursue God's will, we'll have satisfaction for our soul. When we show mercy to others, We will have security in everyday life. When we have an undiluted devotion to God, we find our purpose for living. And when we share the path of peace with others, we begin to see our true identity. We are sons and daughters of God. Let's live a blessed life. Would you bow your heads with me, please? In these moments, perhaps you're here and you were captured at the very beginning of this Uh, message with the idea that you don't have a relationship with God. And your heart longs to know God, to find the forgiveness that Jesus offers and the new life that he provides through his death and resurrection. If that's who you are, then I invite you today to call upon the name of the Lord and be rescued, to admit that you are a sinner to believe that Jesus is your only hope and to confess that he will be and is your Lord. If you in prayer will call upon Jesus by faith, turning from your sin and yourself, if you will call upon Jesus right now in prayer, the Bible says that you'll be rescued. If that's the desire of your heart or if that's something you've already done in these last few moments, I want to encourage you to text Jesus to the number on the screen or email pastor at firstnorfolk.org and we want to help you in your next steps as a follower of Jesus Christ. For those of us in the room who are followers of Christ, I want to encourage you in these moments to consider how that you might live a blessed life, how that you might pursue God's will above all things, Now that you might show mercy to others, even those who you think are unworthy of it. How that you can and must have an undiluted devotion to God, stripping away any affection that diminishes your affection and devotion to Him. And commit yourself to be a peacemaker, to share the path of peace with those who are far from God. In this way, through these blessed behaviors, 
we live a hashtag blessed life. Now, Father, in this moment, will you be glorified in our response to you and in our worship of you? For those who are here in the room or watching online who have yet to become your children through faith in Christ, I pray that you give them the courage to say yes to you in this moment. To send that text or write that email and say, I need to become a follower of Christ, or I prayed that prayer during the message today. God, I pray that you would help us, your church, to be blessed so that we might be a blessing to others. Now be glorified as we worship you in song. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.